I would like to elaborate upon the theme, the Parshas HaChodesh theme, which I discussed earlier in the week in my podcast, and we, we will develop it further and reveal an entirely new dimension this evening. Parshas HaChodesh talks about the introduction of Kiddush HaChodesh, the mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon, heralding Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, heralding the first Seder night in Mitzrayim. Apparently, Kiddush HaChodesh contains the secret, is brimming with symbolism regarding what Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is all about, capturing what redemption is all about. So let's dig in. To begin, when we study the orbit of the moon, this process, which is the basis of the lunar calendar in Kiddush HaChodesh, we appreciate that Rosh Chodesh comes on the heels of the waning of the moon. The prior, the end of the prior month, the visibility of the moon had been decreasing and then rendered null. And it is dark. That darkness at the end of the month prior to Rosh Chodesh so mirrors the state of Kal Yisrael and Mitzrayim, so mirrors the state of Galus. In fact, there is an explicit Rashi in Parshas Lech Lecha, which tells us that Laila, Choshech, Zat Galus, seen this way, the waxing of the moon, first its reappearance at the inception of the new month, and then its waxing, its ever-expanding illumination at the inception of the month, represents hope amidst gloom, geula amidst gas. And there's a certain visceral imagery here now to Rosh Chodesh as the symbol, as the icon of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, as the icon of Geula. We all have been in that deep, dark place of abandonment, feeling abandoned, dreariness. Rosh Chodesh represents the finding of hope amidst gloominess, just as the resurgent moon represents really is light amidst no- nocturnal darkness. And this symbolism of Rosh Chodesh is particularly powerful when we trace the course of events in that month of Nisan and Mitzrayim. The process of Geula began with HaChodesh HaZalachem on Rosh Chodesh of Nisan when they were first told to take the land. But then culminates and reaches its apex on Tesvav Nisan, the 15th of Nisan when they left Mitzrayim. Now this span of time, Aleph through Tesvav, the first of the month through the 15th, is so significant in terms of how it correlates to the lunar cycle. Because, of course, 
while Aleph Rosh Chodesh is when the moon first reappears, its waxing, its expansion, reaches its climax on the 15th, when we have a fully visible moon. So here we have so parallel to the waxing of the moon, the cycle of redemption occurring and climaxing. It is also clear that the cosmos themselves are affirming and attesting to the power of Gula, to the power of finding hope amidst the darkness of the Gullus, national as well as personal. Now this connection between Rosh Chodesh and Geula is not limited to the Geula from its rhyme, but is true of all subsequent Geula, including the Geula from the present Gaulus, which we are also yearning for. This is evident in the Birchas HaChodesh, in the blessing of the new moon. We say Shabbos Mavarchim, as in this past Shabbos. When we say in that context, Misha Sanisim Lavaiseno, Vigalaisam, Meavdas Lacheros, Hu Yigalo Son of Bekarov, the one who redeemed us in days of old miraculously should redeem us once again. Why are we saying this in the context of Birchas HaChodesh? Well, it's now very obvious. The fact that Rosh Chodesh first transpired in the Misha Asalanunisim, in the miracles of old is cementing the truth of redemption for eternity. So hence we say, The one who redeemed us miraculously back then as represented by this Rosh Chodesh concept. He will come through for us once again. The HaChodesh HaZalacham of old continues to inspire hope until this very day. we can develop another dimension to this symbolism of Rosh Chodesh and Geula. When we think about the entire notion of waning and waxing and change, growth versus staticity and immobility, Contrast the moon and its orbit, really the lunar cycle, with the sun. The sun is rather static. It rises every morning and it sets each night, unchanging whatever the day of the month is. What that symbolizes is a very static, almost dead reality that the situation is what it is and it ain't changing. Daylight is daylight, so if things are going well in your life right now, that's the way it is for now. But night is night, there's no sun. If it's a down period, well, that's just the way it is. And you have to accept that morbid status quo. It ain't changing. There are periods of daylight, there are periods of evening. So 
You have a job right now, great. If it's a period of professional growth, great. But if it's a period of professional stumbling, and that's the way it is. Contrast that now with the moon and its waxing and waning, particularly in its waxing, which is what Rosh Chodesh is about, the resurgence, the process of waxing beginning anew. What that symbolizes is nothing is static. The darkness need not remain. Change is possible. Geula, you are not locked in. A Jew is, Jewess is never locked in and never allow the painful status quo to make you morbid about the future because there's a Hashem in the picture. I would argue, seen this way, Rosh Chodesh teaches us the audacity to hope, the chutzpah to stare down horrible circumstances, to stare down people who doubt us, people who denigrate us, people who have inculcated within us negative messaging from our childhood and say, you need not be my reality. I have the courage to change. I have a Rabboni behind me who promises change as evident in the cycle of Rosh Chodesh. And hence, there's a true audacity of hope latent in the message of Rosh Chodesh. A hope of Geula from Mitzrayim and a hope for Geula of all time as becomes more even palpably poignant when we revisit the above-cited tefillah of Birchas HaChodesh I mentioned. Notice how it harps on miracles, the miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and how that heralds the hope for miracles in the contemporary Gauls. Misha Asalanu Nisim, the Gaul was saying, we have this clear, who Yigalu Sanu Bekarab, it speaks of the miracles, because miracles are all about changing the status quo, that the natural order is not a glass ceiling when you're dealing with the Rabona Shaolam. There are no glass ceilings. There is no statistic. The audacity of hope for change. Nisan. That is the message of Rosh Chodesh. Miraculous Geula. As with every Torah true revelation, the thread expands. The thread of, co- of connectivity between Rosh Chodesh and Geula expands further in our study of the Gullus Geula phenomena. Because David HaMelech, Malchus based David, the progenitor of the Mashiach, who holds within him the pinings and the hope of the Jewish people for Geula. Well, he is so linked to Rosh Chodesh again and again and again. We have so many Mamari Chazal drawing this connection between David Malka Mashicha and Rosh Chodesh. And as we study each one, each one reveals another dimension of this concept, the Geula of Rosh Chodesh. For starters, the Gemara in Chulun Daf compares the moon as the Ma'ar HaKatan 
the small luminary relative to the sun, to David HaMalach, who's called David HaKatan, David the small one. Now, a simplistic read of this Gemara is comparing the smallness of the moon relative to the sun, the fact that the moon only reflects light rather than possessing its own light, to David's humility and the fact that he doesn't see himself as possessing his own virtue, but only reflecting Hashem's glory. That much as he is king, he does not see the malchus of his own, as his own, but as a katan, like the moon reflecting the glory of Hashem. That's one level. But as with every comparison in Torah, which is multifaceted, this comparison between David's smallness and the moon's smallness suggests the phenomenon of growth as well. That just as the moon's smallness lies not only in the fact that it is only a reflector, but also in the fact that it wanes, but then waxes. So to David, Havalach. David might be in a waning position initially, but then he waxes in rebirth and resurgence once again. Because that is the story of David, Havalach. David began as a simple shepherd the least likely of Yishai's sons to be king. And not only that, he was castigated and thrown out by his family. He was abandoned, which is what makes him so powerful an icon of Geula to all of us who've experienced ostracization and abandonment and degradation. But from that position of lowliness, he becomes David HaMelech in ever-expanding growth. He is David HaKatan like the Ma'ar HaKatan, who might begin small, who might begin lowly, forlorn, but does not remain that way. Embodying the audacity of hope, which is Geula, which is the message of Rosh Chodesh. And we have other texts linking David HaMelech to the new moon. For example, the Gemara tells us that the code of Kiddush HaChodesh, when they would want to convey somewhat surreptitiously that the new moon was sanctified, at times there, were, there was reason to hide the sanctification of the new moon. We know historically Rosh Chodesh was not always welcomed by government authorities. This represented an autonomy of the Jewish people declaring their own calendar system. So when they would want to articulate via code that the new moon was sanctified, what would they say? David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayim. David's live and well. David, king of Israel, is live and well, which in turn meant that the new moon was sanctified. This seemingly bizarre expression, the new moon was sanctified as in David. David is live and well as in the new moon was sanctified. It's not limited to the above-cited Gemara but is enshrined for all time in the Nusach, in the text of Kiddush Levana, when we say upon our sanctification of the new moon today, three times, David, Melech, Yisrael, Chai, Bekai. Why? Why David, Melech, Yisrael, Chai, Bekai, as the code of Rosh Chodesh? Well, now it's clear how this text falls right into place and seamlessly weaves into the tapestry. Indeed, David Malka Mashiach, the icon of Geula, is in turn the icon of Rosh Chodesh.
he embodies the audacity of hope amidst gullus, amidst grim circumstances. In his very life, the overcoming of suffering. Suffering which is not limited to him, but really he embodies the suffering of all of Israel as so poignantly reflected in Tehillim when the Jewish people as a whole read his psalms of struggle as their own. Well, he is living the segue, the transition from Kalos the audacity of hope, which is Rosh Chodesh, which is Gula. There's a final passage in Tanakh, which we can shed entirely new light in. And I find the final David Rosh Chodesh connection. And that is the passage in Sefer Shmuel called Machar Chodesh. It's the passage which is the Haftorah of a Shabbos immediately preceding Rosh Chodesh, when the next day, when the Sunday following is Rosh Chodesh. What is the Machar Chodesh story? It's describing the very dangerous situation when David feels... Preyed upon by Shal HaMelech. Shal in his neurosis, in his Ruach Ran, his bipolar seeks to, in his bipolar syndrome, seeks to kill David. And David wants to get a handle on Shal's evil designs. He wants to have his finger on the pulse. He wants to know, is Shal really hot on the kill to kill him? So David enlists the aid of his beloved friend, Yonason ben Shal, Shal's son, Yonason, who's in fact loyal to David. And David and Yonason agree as follows. They used to celebrate a Rosh Chodesh meal, a Rosh Chodesh feast. And when Shal sits down to that Rosh Chodesh feast, Yonason is supposed to deduce from Shal's language how hot on the trail is he? How motivated is he to kill David? And in fact, Yonason assesses from the exchange at that Rosh Chodesh meal, David's in grave danger, and he passes on that message to David, and David flees for his life. Now, when you read that story on a surface, on a superficial level, the Rosh Chodesh connection is rather tenuous. It just so happens that it's over a Rosh Chodesh meal that David's fortunes, really David's lack of security and sucker is being assessed. But Claudius Yisrael understands the Rosh Chodesh issue in that story is critical. It's not just the stage upon which Yonah's son is assessing David's danger, but it is a seminal text about Rosh Chodesh. We are reading that story as the Machar Chodesh text, as the text when reflecting that tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. So apparently the Rosh Chodesh feast in the context of David's fortunes is very important. Well, now we understand exactly why. 
It is no coincidence that David's destiny, David's fate, is being assessed over a Rosh Chodesh meal. Because David and Rosh Chodesh are one of the same. Malka Mashiach has the icon of Geula. Is Rosh Chodesh personified, embodied in a person? Digging deeper, in that very story, at that very Rosh Chodesh feast, when, David, when Shaul says, I'm going to get that David, I hate him. We have the Rosh Chodesh audacity of hope playing out because it seems like David's in such danger. But in fact, we know what's going to play out in the story of Sefer Shmuel, which follows is David, as he flees, is going to have resurgent hope. He's going to demonstrate his kingship as he's fleeing. He's going to gather together a band of supporters around him, even as he is in exile, and he's going to make his comeback and triumph over Shaul. And in fact, there's a particular added note of resonance to this story as Machar Chodesh, to this story as the Haftorah of the day before Rosh Chodesh. Because the day before Rosh Chodesh is the time when the waning has reached its ultimate. No more visibility to the moon, which symbolizes no hope. No hope, yeah, right. The moon is making its comeback tomorrow on Rosh Chodesh. The audacity of hope is resurfacing. So it is at that very time, on the last day of the waning of the moon, Machar Chodesh, when we remember, when things seem so grim, when indeed it seems that not only David HaMelech, but the eternal longings and yearnings of the Jewish people hinged upon him, or beleaguered by struggle. Salvation will transpire in a rebirth, Machar Chodesh, just wait it out patiently till tomorrow. Don't lose Amuna. Rosh Chodesh, and with it, David Malka Mashicha, the icon of Rosh Chodesh and the icon of Gaulu will resurface. Weaving all of the text which we studied tonight and all of our twists and turns, weaving it all into a cohesive tapestry, we can truly embrace the power of HaChodesh HaZalachem, the power of Rosh Chodesh, as the means of introducing Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And how seen this way, the cosmos themselves, the framework of the natural world itself, is enshrined with the icon of Gula, the icon of hope. It's hardwired into reality itself. In the waning but then waxing of the moon, the most existential truism, there is no glass ceiling of morbidity. There is a Hashem who yegalu sonu bekarov. So we have the audacity of hope. And now I would like to take the message of Rosh Chodesh, the audacity of hope, which is Gula, and develop it on an even higher level.
Until now, we saw Rosh Chodesh in terms of a release from the darkness of the past. Transcending the prior state of a waning moon, of engulf, engulfing nocturnal darkness, and moving on to better things and light. But when you think about it, the power of the new moon as a light amidst nocturnal darkness symbolizes that not only do we move on from the night, not only do we move on from Gullus, but we actually find Geula within Gullus that perhaps in the, from the retroactive hindsight perspective, we find redemptive quality within the Gullus. We see that within the Gullus, Hashem was really not abandoning us. The Gullus was a time of growth. Personal struggle is a time of growth. The ability to believe that prior struggle is part of something beautiful, is critical. It is insufficient to simply move on. One needs a coping mechanism. As a coping mechanism to find redemptive quality in the past. This is a psychological truth, first of all. That individuals carry baggage, experiential baggage from their past which hinders them in living and thriving even when the circumstances are better. They are weighted down by the traumas of what happened, which don't allow them to thrive despite the present promising conditions. And to move on, the ability to reframe the past to say, I can appreciate now how the past, painful as it was, is part of something beautiful. It's critical for recovery. It's critical for Gula. Finding the Gamzula Tova in the past, that there was a loving Hashem in my struggle as well. The struggle was part of the master plan to make me a better person. To make my ge'ula, my personal ge'ula, and likewise for Klal Yisrael, our national ge'ula ever richer. This concept of finding meaning, of making something beautiful out of previous suffering, indeed is metaphorically speaking akin to transforming the darkness of night into day. What can be more exciting than chasing the shadows of night into the light of day? This very possibility will shine forth, Bez Hashem, in a magnificent pattern that we can trace throughout the motifs of the Seder. Beyond Rosh Chodesh. Let's have a look. To begin, the Vilna Gon in his commentary to the Haggadah notes an anomaly concerning the mitzvahs of the Seder night. In general, mitzvahs say positive mitzvahs, are prescribed for the daytime. However, the mitzvahs say the positive mitzvahs of the Seder, are designated to be fulfilled specifically at night. He sees the surprising exception to the general rule. Embedded in the opening question of the Haggadah, Manashtana, he reads the question allegorically as follows. Manashtana, why is this night different from all other nights with its mitzvahs say positive mitzvahs which are generally characteristic of the day. 
apparently from his perspective, this anomaly is not just some legalistic observation. It is pregnant with meaning. The thought occupies coveted real estate in the Manashtana, after all, right at the opening of the Seder. It's thrilling to see how this idea sets the tone for the entire Seder evening. If we only know where to look, the Haggadah narrative which follows is framed by this question of why nighttime became like day. Let's understand as follows. Nighttime indeed, as we said, is associated with darkness and gloominess, the misery which so often engulfs the human experience. It is associated with the era of Gullus, as we mentioned before, as vividly foreshadowed Tavram in the Brisbane Absar. In a pasuk as rendered by Rashi, Vayehiya Shamash Lavo, Chashecha Gadolu No Felasalov, Remez Litzaris Vachoshach Shalgalus, and the sunset, great darkness fell upon Avram. This hints to the pain of the exile of his children. But yet the Geula of Yitzias Mitzrayim happened at night. As the Gemara in Brachas as rendered by Rashi tells us, Lo niglu alami be'erev nitnu true redemption was at night, because it was at night that Paro gave them permission to leave. The night of Tesvav, the night of the Seder, when he said, Paro in pajamas in the middle of the night said, get out. By now we sense that this irony was by divine design. In fact, the designation of the redemption by night is highlighted in the reenactment of Pesach each year, because the Pasuk tells us in Devar and Perak Tazai in Pasuk Aleph, Offer the carbon Pasuk because Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim at night. The blending of time was powerful. It informed the new Jewish consciousness of redemption. Redemption occurs within the darkness of night and the gloominess of suffering. It invites us to reframe the pain of the past. This transformation of the night into day is a meta-theme of Yitzhak and we're going to find it all over the place. Remember how the Torah introduces the promise of Geula, HaChodesh HaZalachem, Parashas HaChodesh, through the institution of Rosh Chodesh, thus marking time by the moon. The moon becomes the icon of redemption because she is the luminary of the night. In her waxing and waning, she inspires us with the promise that light will return to dispel the nocturnal gloom. But there's more. Read the provocative language of the first mission in Mesechus Psach in the tractate about Pesach. It's on the light, which euphemistically means night of the 14th of Nisan, we search for Chavetz. Laden with irony, the Mishnah calls the night of Badikas Hamas light. The Gemara explains that by doing so, the Mishnah is utilizing positive language. Why do you think that this is the only Mishnah in all of Shas that makes this inversion? Because this opening statement of Mesachas Psachim captures the entire theme of the Yantif making light out of the night, or out of the light. Now we can begin to appreciate the deeper read of the Manashtana as the Vonagon renders it. The inquisitive child asking Manashtana is on the ball. He's picking up the entire drama of the Seder evening. Even if per se, he doesn't consciously realize the Vilnagon's interpretation. He's feeling that this night is like no other. It's not a time that we are resting and passive from action. The child picks up on the fact that there's an energy in the air. 
Not only are we going to fulfill positive mitzvah's characteristic of the day, we're going to capture and run with the positive force of Geula despite the murkiness of the night. And as with every Torah true revelation, the thread expands. Several passages in the Haggadah that until now have been mysterious suddenly fall right into place. Check this out. In the beginning of the Magad, we state the statement of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, Behold, I am 70 years old, but I have not merited for my position to be accepted that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is to be commemorated by night just as by day. In this passage, Rabbi Elizabeth Azarius speaks about the daily mitzvah of Schiris Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim to commemorate Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and the resistance which he faced from the other Chachamim to mandate Schiris Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim at night as well. Isn't it curious that this passage regarding every day and night of the year should appear here at the Seder? Commentators struggle and propose various explanations for the relevance of this passage. But now its deeper meaning is readily discernible. Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah's position to commemorate Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim specifically at night is precisely the message of the Haggadah and the larger theme of the entire Seder. The power of redemption may not be restricted to, the day, to daytime and the radiant periods of our lives. We must find a way to bring it in to incorporate it within the night it has to illuminate those dark periods of dreariness in our lives and fortify our amuna so that we do not surrender to hopelessness and lose faith in a path forward. This idea, subtly introduced in the beginning of the Haggadah, grows on us throughout the Seder's living reenactment of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. By the night's end, it is so radiantly apparent and omnipresent in our consciousness that we see it reflected in a passage of the Nirza, which closes the Haggadah. The Piyat begins, so it was at midnight, and discusses all sorts of gulos of night, and concludes, Then in the future, the darkness of night will shine like day. It is specifically this promise of the future which draws the Seder to a close and brings together the realizations which we have internalized throughout the Haggadah. So much magic, so many secrets lie in the words and the structure of the Haggadah, including this culmination point, It is specifically this promise of the future which draws the Seder to a close and brings together the realizations which we have internalized throughout the Haggadah. This vision of the future, when night shines like day, represents Yemaisa Mashiach, the Messianic era, when everything, which made no sense until now, will suddenly wear the crown of meaning. Human misery and suffering, which totally defy comprehension in the context of a loving Hashem, will somehow be recast in a framework of good. The darkness of night will shine like day because at that time it will become clear how even the bleakest moments are merely building blocks of some larger harmony, namely the divine master plan. In this sense, the salvation of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is not an end point, but only the amazing beginning. The notion of reframing, which the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim saga introduces using the tools of this world, Oyelm Hazah, 
is just a whiff of, whiff of what's to come. In that greater state of consciousness, we will access in the world to come, Be'ezus Hashem. This viewpoint is not some loose sentiment of personal music. Everything which we have espoused, tracing the pattern of light within the darkness and how the epiphany of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim heralds an even greater awakening in the future, is laid out so succinctly in the following Medrash. Regarding the night of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, the Medrash Shmais Rabbah declares, Lel Shimurim, this night of safeguarding, is a fleeting miracle which will become permanent in Eilam Haba, the world to come, when night is similar today, as it says, the light of the moon will be akin to the light of the sun. The reframing of past demons will then come full circle. The redemptive power of finding meaning and purpose in previous suffering will then be complete. So now, indeed, we can return to Rosh Chodesh. Everything we developed in Rosh Chodesh as an icon of Gula, the power of light within nocturnal darkness, the audacity to hope amidst the grimmest conditions, and appreciate how it is symptomatic of a much larger Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim theme. Again and again, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is reenacted by the Haggadah at the Seder. It is all about the ability to find meaning amidst the gulls, the retroactive, redemptive perspective when we can frame, reframe past traumas, personal and national. This is what Geula is all about. Our audacity of hope, the audacity of hope of Pesach and Geula is not simply that things will be better. It's that everything will come together. It's that we will have a way to cope with the Choshech of life. Thrilling to tease out so many layers of meaning in the parasha v'chodesh hazalachem. Thrilling the takeaway message, this audacity of hope. Never allow grim personal circumstances to create statistics to create a sense of locked in. Cheiros is all about finding that Geula, finding the illuminations of Geula, waxing from the waning of Galas and Lila. Thank you very much. <laughs>